Welcome to Bible Q&A, a monthly discussion with Luther Seminary faculty about everything you wanted to know about the Bible but were afraid to ask. I'm Cameron Howard. And I'm Eric Bredo. And joining us today is Catherine Schifferdecker, who teaches Old Testament here at Luther. Thanks for being with us, Catherine. Good to be with you again. And we're here to discuss an essay that Eric has written um, as part of our series on our favorite Bible passages. And Eric takes us to the book of Acts. Surprise, surprise. That's where I hang out. I know, I know. I say the same. If it were Job, it would be me. Yes, we all have our favorite uh, passages and books. Well, so, Eric, this is a great story in the book of Acts, Um, probably not one that is the most well-known, but uh, certainly one that has been meaningful to a lot of people. Uh, so set up the set up the story for us. Where are we in, in Acts? Where are we in the life of the early church? Uh, and where in the world is this Ethiopian eunuch and Philip? Uh, they're, so they're basically in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's, a, it's a story early in the book of Acts. So we've had Pentecost. People are selling their possessions. They're living together. And the first time we hear about Philip was, was when this conflict emerges in the early church. Surprise, surprise. When churches get together, there's conflict. So Philip is given this pretty simple job description, but an important one to wait on the table. Some of the widows are being neglected, so uh, the church elects these seven deacons to take care of this work. Uh, But what's striking about that is that the first thing that one of these deacons does is to start performing miracles and preaching the good news, and that's Stephen who does this right after that. So Philip is on this list. We hear about him a little bit before this, but this is, I think, just a really emblematic story for what Philip does. Um, Philip is called to go to the middle of nowhere at the worst time of day. Um, If we remember back to the Gospel of Luke, we know what can happen to people who are on roads by themselves. You might end up like that poor guy that the Good Samaritan helps out, beat Mm -hmm. up and almost Mm -hmm. dead on the side of the road. So it's not the smartest thing to do, uh, but the Spirit sends him, and Philip doesn't ask any questions, doesn't say, this, this, is, this isn't in my job description, doesn't say, you know, this is probably not a safe thing to do. Philip just goes, and when he goes, he finds this royal chariot with this Ethiopian eunuch in the back reading the prophet Isaiah. Um, and it's a funny scene, I think. That's the one thing we sometimes miss <laughs> because we think the Bible is always serious. But in the book of Acts in particular, there's all these moments that are just kind of delightful. That either they... They stir our hearts because they're a bit like an action movie. Or, in, in, in this case, it's kind of funny. So you have to imagine this guy, Philip, running alongside a moving chariot trying to talk to somebody who's a person <laughs> of great power and great wealth and great means who's reading. And here comes Philip, probably sweating because he doesn't run marathons. And he's sweating and he's <laughs> breathless and he's asking him. And the Ethiopian eunuchs just, like, turn to his driver and say, speed up and let's leave this guy behind. But he stops and has this conversation with a stranger in the middle of nowhere. Um, It's a really powerful story because I think, as I say in the title, it's about finding God in the middle of nowhere, finding God in unexpected places. It is a great story. um, We were talking before the podcast. uh, I spent a a year in Ethiopia a couple years ago, and and this story, of course, is is hugely important for Ethiopian Christians. And they trace the, uh, the the beginning of Christianity to this story in Acts 8, where the Ethiopian eunuch is converted, is baptized, becomes a Christian, and then goes home, presumably, yeah. and uh, he he begins uh, uh, telling people. And and it's true that the Christian church in Ethiopia is is ancient. I mean, it's as right. old as the, the Western Christian church. Mm-hmm. It dates back to the 4th century. So. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an important story, uh, certainly in in that 
uh, community, uh, but I think for us as well. Yeah, and I think it's an important wrinkle to the story too. So it says at the end that the unit goes on his way rejoicing, presumably back home, as right. you said. So he was already headed that way. That way, um, in the ancient world, um, well, take one step back. Acts chapter uh, chapter one verse eight says that Jesus commands the disciples to go to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And today, like, you know, if we say, I'm going, to, I'm going to go to the airport, I'm going to go to the ends of the world, you might think I'm going to Siberia or Antarctica or somewhere like that. Um, in the ancient world, Ethiopia is one of these ends of the world. People know it exists and they know it's out there and it's this exotic place of, of powerful warriors. But even if you look at ancient historians, they put it in lots of different places. They're not quite sure where it is. They just know it's <laughs> over there somewhere. Beyond Egypt. Right. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. It's sometimes like Libya, sometimes where Ethiopia actually yeah, is yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. So there's this confusion about where it is. And I think that I, wonder, I sometimes wonder if what's happening here is that that, that, that that mission that Jesus sends the disciples on is already fulfilled in chapter 8 in the book of Acts. Mm. And not by Paul and not by Peter, but by this not name. Not the George Clooney's of Not the George Clooney's, right? <laughs> uh, it's the Adam Sandler's. But here by this unknown, like unnamed eunuch who is not commissioned by the church to do any of this, but he goes on his way rejoicing just his everyday life, now transformed by this encounter with Jesus through Philip, that he brings the gospel to the very ends of the earth. And what's striking about it is that the church doesn't seem to notice. Nobody knows that this happens because, again, Philip does this in the middle of nowhere. So he's not, neither the eunuch nor Philip are mentioned after this? Or I, I assume Philip may be. Philip shows up again, right? Yeah. There's a Philip with yeah, yeah. seven prophesying daughters. But that's uh, about it. He's not, yeah. he's not there at like the Apostolic mm-hmm. Council in 15. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Peter and it's Paul. Those are the main characters. Mm-hmm. So it's these minor characters doing these really extraordinary things. And the Ethiopian eunuch is a eunuch. (laughs) So he has, so historically in the Hebrew Bible, there are texts like Deuteronomy 23 that um, talk about uh, those who have been made eunuchs can't enter the assembly of the Lord. And there's just a sort of outsider status to eunuchs. And um, we have eunuchs in the book of Esther who also work for the royalty and bring women in and out of men's spaces so they have this sort of in between Mm -hmm. status and so it's interesting that there's this um, expansiveness not just geographically but also in sort of this guy who doesn't even get a name Mm -hmm. in the text he's just the eunuch so we read over and over the eunuch the Ethiopian eunuch the Ethiopian eunuch there's some ambiguity about his own identity is he a gentile or is he a Jew and when it comes to his own sense of his identity as his sexuality, his gender, all these things are mixed up. And even in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, there is this kind of dual uh, positioning of, of eunuchs. So in Isaiah, mm-hmm. the inclusion of the eunuchs is the height of, of God's kind of embrace of the whole world. But in the song Solomon, they're still reviled for not being able to have children. They become this object of scorn. So even in these texts, these these eunuchs are both ways that God includes all people, but also ways in which we are still pushing people away. So it's a really fascinating figure. He's this hybrid character in the middle of the story, but none of that seems to matter to God. God meets this Ethiopian eunuch wherever he is, in this case, in the middle of nowhere. And I love, too, that um, they're reading from Isaiah. So speaking uh, of Isaiah, <laughs> right. they're reading from one of the suffering servant passages, and the eunuch says, about whom 
may I ask you, does this prophet say this? That is about like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Um, about himself or someone else. Then Philip began to speak. And so we don't hear right. the answer. I mean, this is uh, Especially in a, book a full classic of question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who, who are these people that the prophets talk about? Who is this ambiguous suffering servant? Of course, the Christian church has come to see uh, characteristics of Jesus in the description of this suffering servant, uh, but in its original utterance, just exactly who this guy is. Is it talking about the prophet? Is it talking about some other guy in um, Judah? Uh, who is this uh, persona, this figure? Um, and we, I want to know what Philip said, but at yeah. the same time, I love that it's, um, it's more that they're going to figure it out together that and that the interpretation this sort of modeling of interpretation of scripture is that yeah it's great that the eunuch is there reading it on his own but how much better it is when someone's there with him and they're working it out together and they can't read by themselves right that I I imagine that the eunuch probably sees himself in that suffering servant you know of his generation Uh there will be no end but that only is part of the story. To complete that story means to understand how Jesus embodies those prophecies as well. And it's not Jesus. Well, no, you're wrong. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. But it's about Jesus and about you and about Isaiah and about all of us trying to find God in the middle of nowhere. So you, you mentioned in your essay, Eric, about this, this text-critical thing, this, this missing verse the, the 37. The part of all this. That's yeah. right. So just just say a little more about that or say or So at the beginning of that. time, I'm just kidding, no. no. There's, uh, there's thousands of manuscripts in the New Testament. No two of them are exactly alike. And in some of these manuscripts, there is a verse 37, which if you have a study Bible, it'll be in your footnotes. Or if you're reading out of the King James, it will be in the text itself. Uh, but in the best manuscripts, it's missing. It just goes from 36 to 38. Um, and I think it's a really interesting wrinkle to this story. What probably happened is that somebody, uh, either a scribe or, or a scholar or, or some clergy person along the way, was reading some of these manuscripts. And the Ethiopian eunuch asks in verse 36, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And then in verse 38, there's water and he's baptized. But what's missing is that he doesn't say anything, right? Going back to what you were talking about, Cameron, it's not recorded that he responds, that he doesn't say anything. All he says is, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And all of a sudden, look, a bunch of water. There's nothing, because here's water. There's nothing that will prevent you from being baptized. And to me, there's a really interesting lesson for us here, is that we are quite adept at building boundaries and walls around our communities of faith of telling people that they're welcome, but really we're telling them that they're welcome to become like us. We find ways to add verse 37 in lots of different places when the water is always there. God has provided the water, and nothing will prevent any of us from being baptized, from joining these communities. Thank you, Eric, for directing our attention to this wonderful text, and thanks, Catherine, for joining us. Mm -hmm. Thank you, friends. Thank you for joining us on Bible Q&A. You can find more information at enterthebible.org. Join us again.